Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Specifically today, we're going to have a conversation about masculinity, about men, about all that kind of stuff, and we're excited about that. Um, oh, we're going to do things a little bit differently today, okay? You may notice that I have some guys joining me on the stage. We've got Gabe. He's up here to be a pretty face. Um, and then, that's not true. He, he, he helps. Uh, we have Tyler over here. Gabe, Gabe and I are going to team preach. Tyler's going to be our Vanna White, um, which is why he's waving that way. Um, most masculine, handsome Vanna White you've ever seen. But uh, he's going to be drawing some pictures for us today. It should be kind of fun. We're doing things a little bit differently. Um, so we're excited. We're excited about this conversation about biblical manhood because as we've been kind of preparing for this and talking through the week, we really believe here at Compass Church that everyone is better when a man acts like a man the way that God designed him to be. We believe it helps the world, society, the family, everything. And we're not, we're not necessarily, in, we're, we're not saying that men are better than women or anything like that. What we're saying is we're focusing today on manhood and we're excited about what that looks like, okay? So our goal today is to, be, is to define manhood and masculinity so that each of us men in this room can kind of focus on the four pillars that we're going to be um, discovering out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 today. Um, and ladies, this, this, is, this is a big deal for you as well. We're excited. This message is not just for men today. That's not the purpose, okay? The goal here is today, the ladies, you would understand as well, and really uh, understand it so that you can validate it and, and encourage us men when you see it in us. So guys, here's the challenge for you. Um, we hope that you listen, take notes, evaluate your own life and yourself as we look at God's word today, because no matter where we're at in our lives, we can all learn and grow and get better, okay? And ladies, we really want to challenge you to take notes, to pay attention as well, because as creation would have it, the best people on the planet, the most successful people on the planet on encouraging us to be men is you. And so the more that you understand and, and, and have, a, have clarity on biblical manhood, the way that God designed it to be, the more that you can validate and really inspire those things in us as you see them in us, because it matters and it makes, um, it, we pay attention to that, okay? So as we start today, uh, we kind of thought there's really no better way to start than to uh, talk about a quote from the great comedian and theologian Jerry Seinfeld. Um, and here's the quote. My wife loved this. She wrote this down when she heard this. Okay, so, so you know it's good because she's smart, smarter than me. Here it is. All men think of themselves as kind of low-level superheroes in their own environment. When men are growing up reading about Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, these aren't fantasies. They're options, right? This is how men see their own lives. That's a great quote, isn't it? And it's funny. Do you know why it's funny? Because it's true, right? It's absolutely true. And uh, this, is, this is really what the reason you see all of these, these behaviors that men do, these things that we do. In fact, um, my soon-to-be 11-year-old son, when he was younger, we used to wrestle all the time. And we were kind of rough wrestling, made my wife very uncomfortable. But... Um, Anytime we'd wrestle, you know, this is, this is the reason that he's, you know, as he's doing these things, he's going, poof, 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 making all these noises, and then he'd stop and, poof, right? Shamu spray zone, by the way. Um, 
Because in his mind, as we're wrestling, we're in an entirely different world than we're at, and he's the hero and I'm the villain, right? So he's got all these things going on. And we like to think, we want people to think, men, that are, we stop thinking that way, but we don't. We don't, right? Watch the way a guy looks at himself in the mirror when no one's looking. Gives a little flex, right? This is why we don't stop and ask for questions, because superheroes don't need directions or things like that. This is why we're always banging on things in the garage trying to fix them because it's manly and it feels good to fix things. This is why when you get a bunch of guys standing around at a construction site or on a weekend after work, they're embellishing stories about their week like that time they caught the 92-pound rainbow trout out of the ocean, right? All the fishermen are going, does he know what he's talking about? That's why it's funny. This mentality, this superhero mentality, really feeds that competitive drive. If we were to get one of those carnival feats of strength games and put it outside and we're all out there trying to hit that thing, there'd be some of you missing the service because you're trying to out, you know, outdo each other. It's this superhero attitude that kind of gives a reason and a clarity to why we act the way that we do sometimes. We don't like feeling weak or small. Why is that? Well, it's just like what Tim talked about last week. Every man, whether we want to admit it or not, every one of us is asking the question, am I strong enough? Am I man enough? Am I enough? Gabe. Am I strong enough? Do I have what it takes? Until we are secure in the answer to that question, men will always operate out of fear and insecurity. If masculinity is tied to strength, the question then becomes, how do we measure it? To answer the question, am I strong enough? How do we measure strength? Well, it can't just be physical strength, because if that were the case, I'm definitely stronger than Mike. Um, not now. Not now. You don't want to embarrass yourself in front of everybody. Um, it can't be physical strength. Not only for that reason, but because it wanes over time. I mean, some of you older guys in here are going to go, oh, he's going to complain. I, I'm, I'm getting close to 35, okay? I know, some of you are going to groan. Some of you are going, man, that's really old. That's quiet, you, over there in this section. But I noticed, I noticed when I hit 30, I started making a noise when I got off the couch. It was that, I, I didn't make that at 29. All of a sudden, you make that noise. And I, call, I called another guy out. He just turned 30. I saw him make that noise. I said, that's a 30 noise. But your strength wanes. We see this. You feel this. And if that's the measurement of your manhood. You're doomed because it's going to wane. It's going to fail you. Just like our illustrious Pastor Tim found out a few weeks ago when he threw out his back. Strength is fleeting. So what's the real measurement of a man's strength? In order to, to answer this question, we're going to look to a passage. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And from there, we're going to look at this passage. It's an exhortation by Paul. It's just a quick, rapid-fire exhortation. It's kind of the sign-off for the letter. But it's, it's seen by all these Christian men throughout Christian history as like this, this exhortation of manliness. And you're going to kind of see why. And from it, we're going to draw these four pillars of manhood, how God measures a man. And these pillars aren't, uh, they aren't bad things for women to pursue. They're actually very good things for that. But the difference is, is they're expected of men. 
women can exude these qualities just as well. Men are supposed to exude them, and when they don't, they leave a vacuum and a wake of destruction where women have to step in. And they do it bravely, and they do it ferociously, and it's an indictment on men themselves. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these four pillars out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. And here's where we're going to build. And we're going to build this. Tyler's going to draw it over here. We're going to have four pillars, and it's going to be kind of this Roman pantheon structure, which is a very manly structure that we chose for this. And the first pillar that we're going to look at as we read the verse, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And the first one there is be watchful. And from that, we draw the pillar that we're going to call duty. Some of you just chuckled in your heads a little bit because you thought I said duty. That just shows your immaturity. But duty, a sense of duty that there are things that you are in charge of, things that God has placed under your care, and it implies mission and responsibility. The idea is be watchful, he says. It's actually one word in the original language this was written in, which is Greek. And it means to take heed lest through remission and indolence some destructive calamity overtake you. Stay awake. It's how you combat the slow, corrosive destruction that comes from laziness or idleness. This is an active imperative. It's, a, it's an active command, meaning it's something that you do actively. Be alert, men. Be vigilant. Watch over that which is put in your care. Be, be the watchman standing on the walls, guarding the, the city from the rooftops, maintaining all that's within your perimeter, all that God has placed and entrusted to your care. Essentially, be Batman. It's what you've always wanted to do. It was a fantasy you've always had. And the reality is God has placed you in charge of some things. He's entrusted you with things that are precious to him. So be watchful. A few weeks ago, Tim talked about how men are created to be the caretakers of the world around them, and that's kind of what we see around us, and that's how we operate. What are the things that God has made you a watchman over? Your family, your job, your home, your schoolwork, if you're, you're in school, how you glorify God and all these things that he's put you in these environments. The important relationships around you, that's, that's a field that you have to tend, and that brings up a, a point. There's a, there's a saying that we say around Compass, and if you've been around here any amount of time, you've probably heard it. We say this to our men all the time, tend your fields. Tend your fields. It comes from a book called Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. It's an incredible book, and if you haven't read it, you should check it out. But he says one of the maxims of manhood is this, tend your fields. Tend the areas that God has placed under your care. Be alert. Don't let anything slowly corrode it away, that which is in your perimeter, because of idleness or laziness. And when you start taking care of that which God has entrusted to you, you become more alert and more ferocious. Men, if this is news to you, I want you to take a break right now and start writing out what has God placed under your care. This will be eye-opening. It will bring a ton of clarity to your life. And if you haven't done it in a while, do it again. There's fields that you need to take care of. There's fields that you don't need to take care of that weren't entrusted to you, and you need to spend time in where God has you. Tend your fields. There are men in here who are wondering why they feel so lost 
why they don't feel like a man, why their relationships are crumbling and their households are falling apart and there are weeds growing in their backyard, both literally and metaphorically. You're sitting there at home and you're binge watching The Office again or you're playing video games with your Cheeto-stained fingers, wiping the crumbs off your beer belly, and you're wondering why everybody feels so distant and frustrated with you. Wake up. Be alert. You were made to be a watchman. Tend your fields. It's your duty. It's your God-given mission and responsibility. Go deeper into what you've been entrusted with, and you will increase your manhood, your masculinity. And ask yourself, what is being neglected under my watch and tend to it? I hate preaching this because there are things God's just like throwing in the back of my head. Yeah, Gabe, tend your fields. What about this relationship? What about your walk here? How much time are you spending with your kids? Women, what can you do to validate a man's sense of duty? What if you praised and appreciated what men, the men around you do right? I'm going to tell you a little secret. If you were grateful and gave thanks for those things, it would inspire us. It always does. It inspires us. And this doesn't have to be your husband. This could be your father, your brother, your friend, your coworker, that stranger who opened the door for you. Let me tell you something about men opening the door for you. First of all, let them. The other uh, theologian that I might mention, uh, the great Chris Rock, he said that chivalry's dead and women killed it, which I think is a partial truth because there was a retreat as well. But if a man tries to open the door for you, let him do it and then say thank you. If, he, if, if you give him the opportunity and he doesn't do it, don't belittle him in public. That won't make him do it next time. And don't worry about it. We'll find him. We'll punch him. He doesn't speak for all of us. But give us opportunities to care and protect for what we should and inspire us to do so with your beauty. And I'm not talking about your physical appearance, but I'm talking about the beauty that is imprinted on your soul when you reflect God's demeanor of grace and elegance. So men, be watchful. Tend the fields that are in your perimeter. Mike, grab the next pillar. In the next part of the passage here, it says, be alert, stand firm in the faith. Our next pillar will come from this phrase here, which is actually broken down into two words. The first part here in the original language, it translates as stand firm, is one word, and the other word it translates as in the faith. The word used for stand firm could really just be translated as persevere. Persevere. Perseverance by itself really could be a powerful and fantastic, profound lesson for men, but that's only a part of what Paul's saying here. But perseverance means be persistent. Don't quit. Remain even when under pressure. Don't jump out of the way or yield to it. In other words, when things get tough, get tougher. James even talks about this. In the book of James, he says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. 
James is really saying, be glad when a bunch of heavy and difficult things are thrown on you. Because the end result is similar to when you're working out your muscles, gentlemen. The more weight, the more repetition, the more weight you can carry. And when heavy things are thrown on you and you persevere and you stick to them, you learn to carry more. And some of you in this room, you're like, okay, perseverance, I'm good at that. That's one of the things that I'm good at, right? I don't quit. I never quit. I never give up. And it's true that some men in this room, you don't quit. That's not your style. But for others of you, you struggle with this. When things get hard, some of us do quit. We do this in part because of the questions that we've been asking. Am I strong enough? Am I man enough? Am I enough? You see, a lot of us believe, whether we know it or not, a lot of us believe that if we fail it, it is an indictment on our manhood. And so, if we see failure coming, we drop out. Or, and this is more common today with some of the younger men, we never start at all out of a fear that we won't win, out of a fear that we'll fail. fail. Some of us need to work on facing tough things with toughness, not fear. Fear drives us. And we need to persevere despite the fear. The next part of this little verse here, stand firm in the faith, is the next line. And the word for faith there comes from a word that Jesus used a few times when he was describing people who were moved to action. We see it in uh, Luke 5 when we have the friends who cut a hole in the roof and lower their friend down because they believed that Jesus could heal him. We see it in Luke 8 when the woman is pushing her way through the crowds just so that she could touch Jesus because she believed if she did that he would heal her. This word for faith really is about a conviction that forces us into action and affects what we do. So really if you take these two words, perseverance, and conviction, and faith, you can combine them into a word that is going to be our second pillar, and that is integrity. The word integrity comes from the Latin word integris, which means sound, whole, or entire. In ancient Rome, this word was actually uh, used almost daily in the military. A commander would walk the line of his legionnaires to make sure that each one was ready and fit for duty. As the commander would approach each soldier, the soldier would sweep his fist across his chest and then hit his chest plate and shout, Integris! The commander would listen for the clang of armor that the armor would emit when it was struck and there was a, a strong piece of armor and he would also listen for the strength of a man's voice and be by, by the those two sounds, he would know that his soldier was fit for duty and ready, knowing that he could stand firm when trouble came. We talk about integrity of a building, right? When we talk about a building with integrity, we mean it has no weak points, that it is sound and will remain against the forces that come against it. The question for us here today, men, is are you whole? Or are there areas or compartments of yourself or your life that you've kept hidden from God and other people? Do you believe that you can hold these responsibilities and go through life alone? Have you ever seen a roof held up by one pillar? 
Do we really believe that we can do this and survive alone? There's a reason there's three of us on the stage today. We've never done anything like this before. We wanted to do this together because men are better together. Men, some of us need to strengthen this pillar of integrity, right? We need to open up areas of our lives. And, and really, we can even talk about faith here, right, gentlemen? Some of us walk into this room and we listen to the message, but we won't let it reach our hands and our hearts. And then when temptation comes, we fall. Men of integrity don't have to erase their browser history for fear of their separate life being found out. Men of integrity don't have their word questioned when they make a deal or promise because their faith and belief in God teaches them to be honest and fair. Men of integrity don't belittle their wives to make themselves feel bigger or stronger. Men of integrity are not perfect. We do fail, but we don't let that failure become our identity. We grow and we learn from it, and we do not hide our lives we surround ourselves with other men who can help us bear the weight. This is the only way that we're going to become men of integrity and stand firm in the faith and hold the line of what it looks like to be a godly man. Surround yourselves and open up every part of your life, even the parts you've kept hidden. Gabe. Be watchful. Duty. Stand firm in the faith, integrity. Act like men and be strong. Our third pillar is courage. We pull this concept from these two phrases, act like men and be strong. There are two phrases here that we'll grab, act like men and be strong. It's from these that we'll uncover this pillar. In the words translated here, the, the first one is act like men. It's actually one word. It's where we get the name Andrew. It means man. Act like men. But it's also translated as courage. Some of your Bibles might not say act like men. You might read it and they have translated it as take courage, be brave. So why in this translation did they translate it as act like men? It's because in the Greek mind, those two concepts were tied together. In fact, as you go throughout history and most cultures, manhood has always been connected with courage. Men are expected to be brave. In the, it's the Greek equivalent to saying, man up. And that's what Paul's saying here. If you, if you think about it, it's also the ancient Greek word that they used to describe the difference between the immortal gods and the mortal man. See, the immortal gods couldn't be brave. They couldn't be courageous. They're immortal. But the mortal men could die. They could fail. So only they could display manhood and courage. See, courage always requires both risk and initiative. Courage always requires both risk and initiative. Courage requires risk. Risk means there's a chance for failure to be the outcome, and men were made to be challenged and to take risks. I see this everywhere I look. I see this in the men who are living a life that is taking challenge and, and testing their mettle and taking risks, areas where they could fail, and there is a fire and life in their eyes. And I have seen men that have made their lives very safe, and I have seen when the safer a man's life gets, the more he shrinks. 
Courage also requires initiative. This means that you choose to do it. It isn't very courageous to do something that you're forced to do, that you have no other options. But if you bravely choose to face the unknown where there's a chance for failure, that is a display of courage. Act like men and be strong. The other phrase here is be strong. And it's of some interest in our discussion about courage because it's a passive imperative. Where we've had all these, these active imperatives, things you have to do. Be watchful. Now he's saying be strong, and it's passive, meaning it's not something you can force to happen, but rather something that happens to you. It's as if Paul's saying, do what you cannot do. Act like men and be strong in areas where you're not strong enough. There's a theme throughout Scripture of strength and weakness. And we hear stories about godly men who face giants they could never beat on their own strength. And as they face it with faith and courage, God shows up and he's glorified. If you're not doing something scary, men, something that you cannot do on your own, then you're not giving God any room to work. Take initiative and step out and take a big risk for God. There are men in this room who feel insecure and weak. And they can never break out of that until they start taking some initiative and some risk and start doing some awesome things for God. Display some courage. Do something that you might fail at and allow God to show up. And it is there that you will be strong because God will be your strength. And time out for a quick little disclaimer, like a slash duh moment. But these pillars aren't a hierarchy. There's not one that's more important than the other. We're going in a progression because that's where the scripture's at. But the, the pillar of, of duty and integrity also temper the pillar of courage. Don't take some risks that diminish your integrity. Don't take some risks that challenge the watchfulness and the care that God has He's placed things you, you in charge of some things. So don't risk those things. You, have to, you can't go out from here and say, well, Gabe told me to take risks, so I'm going to buy a bunch of lotto tickets. You take risks without threatening that which God has entrusted to you without diminishing your integrity. Be watchful, duty. Stand firm in the faith, integrity. Act like men, be strong, courage. Which brings us to this last part, let all that you do be done in love. Here, Paul is taking this all these characteristics, and he's asking us gentlemen to remember not just to be the strong, courageous, risk-taking warrior, but to do it in love. Paul's saying, let everything that you are, everything you feel and think, let every reaction to any event that happens to you, let everything that you create and produce proclaim and reflect love. We're not talking about the kumbaya, sit around a fire, holding hands, running through fields and frolicking kind of love. That's the cheap stuff. We're talking about agape love. That's the Greek word here for love. And it's the t Jesus uses this word and defines it earlier in the gospel. He says, no greater love is there than this, than a man who would lay down his own life for his friends. You see, in God's eyes, love is sacrifice. Masculinity, then, is measured by our ability to love sacrificially. What are you willing to do for the benefit of someone else? 
Man, we are designed to think, live, and love sacrificially for the benefit of everyone other than ourselves. And this narrative fits, doesn't it? Don't we love these kinds of men, the type of men that we see throughout history who are willing to, to give and sacrifice at great cost? We see it in Disney movies and in, rom- in romantic movies. We see it all over the place. We love those kind of men. The reality is, is that when a man is selfish, even in our culture today, it's seen as weak and immature. But when a man is selfless, he's seen as the ultimate man. Think about it. Immaturity is really defined by selflessness. A child cries when they don't get their way, right? Because they can't see outside of their own perspective as young kids. Maturity then is defined not just by our ability to see outside of our own perspective, but by our willingness to surrender our wants, our needs, and our desires for the sake of other people. So a lot of us, we like it. It's kind of romantic to say, I'll die for you, right? It feels good to say, I'd, be, I'd gladly lay my life down for you. And we say it to our wives, we say it to a lot of people, but can I just challenge that for a second? There's a good chance living here in America that you may never have the opportunity to prove that. So what if instead we begin sacrificing a little bit every day? That'd be more difficult, wouldn't it? Men, we might say that we're willing to die for our wives or our loved ones, but what if they ask us to give up video games? Some of you older guys, well, that's not me. I don't play video games. That's immature. You're not off the hook. What if your wife calls you in from tinkering around in the garage? Do you make that sacrifice willingly or do you huff and puff like a little boy who's just been called in to wash up for dinner? When you're watching the game or your favorite dude Van Damme movie, is it too great a sacrifice to give up a little bit of your me time, your man time, to come in and be with your family and meet their needs? Man, we need to love sacrificially in all that we do. We really need to take up the moniker. Again, women and children first. You know, that used to be a thing. We were made for that. But nowadays, instead, more often, we see strength abused to exploit for our own gain and certainly not for sacrifice. Can someone please tell me for a second? Because I don't understand this. What is manly about men using their strength to exploit women and children or to be the first out of a mess? Could you imagine a building being caught on fire where all of the men run out first? It'd be catastrophic And oh, so very sad. You might say, well, the women, the women will rescue everyone. They'll be sacrificial. And oftentimes they do nowadays, don't they? And it's not a bad thing necessarily when a woman steps up and sacrifices when a man doesn't. But you know what it is? It's always an indictment on a man. Man, you're never more manly and desirable or beneficial to this world than when you live and love sacrificially. And by the way, you're never more like Jesus. Some of us in this room today need to wake up. 
You are blind to the fact, we are blind to the fact that we are living our lives for ourselves. This is why we come home from work and we're upset that the wife and the kids don't recognize the sacrifice that I've made for this family. You see, the thing is, you're making that sacrifice for yourself, not for them. We need to check our motives. Are our motives behind our love and our sacrifice for our own preservation or to feed our own insecurity? Or are they about the benefit of others? You're never more like Jesus, never more beneficial to the world than when you live and love sacrificially. Now we have our four pillars masculinity, the four pillars of manhood. We have our four areas that we can measure our strength. How do you measure up? Duty. Are you watchful over that which God has placed under your care? Integrity. Do you let your beliefs become convictions that work into all areas of your life, or are they just kind of these things? They're the little believies that you hide over here. But do they actually affect the kind of man you are. Courage, do you take risk and initiative in things that you cannot do and step out into uncharted waters where failure is a possibility and where God has to show up? Sacrifice, do you put the needs of others in front of your own? We started off by pointing out that all men are driven by the question, am I strong enough? And as we went through these points, as the measurement of our strength Some of you are sitting here thinking, yeah, I got this. I got this. And some of you in the room got really, really quiet. And there's a lump in your throat. So we've got it. What's what's the answer? Are you strong enough? If these are the measurements, are you? The answer is no. No. Am I strong enough? No. No. But in Christ, I am. If we just pointed out these areas and said, okay, just go and tackle these, go and do likewise, you'd probably leave here feeling pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rearrange some stuff, you know. I'm going to start spending more time here. I'm going to start hitting the treadmill. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make some changes. And then over time, the walls would start to crack. If we're the foundation for this whole thing to rest upon, It's not going to last. It has to be built on Jesus. We cannot do this on our own will alone. There will be moments and areas where you fail. Am I strong enough? Am I enough? Do I have what it takes? No. And if we keep trying to get this question answered through our own will and by gaining the acceptance of others, we will always be inadequate. We long to be superheroes, but we're just mere men. There's a story about Muhammad Ali, and he was flying on a plane. And as he was flying, the, uh, the plane started to head into some turbulence, so the fastened seatbelt came on. Bing! Everybody starts buckling their seatbelts, but he's like, I'm, I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. I don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess comes by, and she says, she says, sir, you need to put on your seatbelt. And he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she didn't skip a beat. She said, Superman don't need no plane either. We're not superheroes. We're just men. 
We were made to reflect the image of a perfect God, and yet we're just imperfect men. So the question is, if we cannot, what do we do? I love what Gabe says there. We cannot by our own will and power be the type of men that God created us to be, the type of men that the world needs us to be. We can't. But Jesus was. Jesus was the perfect man in every one of these areas, right? I mean, you look at him, right? Duty. He had a sense of duty because Jesus was on a mission, right? He was on a mission in this world to accomplish the rescuing of mankind. And he would not let anything destroy what was under his care, what his mission was. He was and he is the good shepherd for caring as as he cared for all of us as he lived his life. He was a man of duty. He was a man of integrity. You see, he's tempted. He was tempted just like all of us. Only only his temptation, Jesus' temptation was, was far worse. I mean, he's baptized and then sent out into the wilderness as right as his ministry starts. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days. No food, no water. And then at the end of those 40 days, Satan comes. Satan himself comes to tempt Jesus. He was hungry and lonely and tired, but Jesus withstood it. He was so sound and whole that no one could find guilt in him. He was the perfect and unblemished lamb. And he had courage too because he stood before his executioners knowing that he was about to be tortured and died with the power to come off that cross at any instant. But with courage, he faced his accusers as a man, and he faced mockery, pain, and death. And then lastly, we can't forget, he was sacrificial. He surrendered his life, looking out for our need and for the glory of God. He gave up everything that he had to meet our needs as a sacrifice, as the spotless lamb. And he gave all the glory to God. He gave it all up. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You may be sitting here right now, men. You may be thinking, Jesus was perfect and I'm not, I get it, but what do I do? I don't even know where to start. You see, today it's always been about this moment. We wanted to challenge you and ask you to simply relent. If we're trying to build these pillars on our own, if we're the foundation, those pillars will not stand. We cannot do it. Today then, men, the call is to give up, to stop. Stop trying to be the man that you want to be in your own strength. It is not working. You cannot do it on your own. All right, Mike, so how do I do it? How do I do this? Surrender. Give up. And trust in Jesus to be your strength. Trust in him to fill in the gaps. You can't do it on your own. Maybe you don't know where to start. Like, I I don't know what it looks like to surrender. I don't know what it looks like to do any of this. I don't know what it looks like to trust God. Let me give you four applications today. And then we're going to sing. First, in the area of duty, gentlemen, I've got a challenge for you. There are fields that you are tending that do not matter compared to the fields of responsibility that God has given you that he's put on your shoulders. Some of you are tending the fields of building your car. 
Some of you are tending your fields of making the video game levels be the highest, and those don't matter. What matters is your family. What matters is your job. Some of us need to be more faithful in what we're supposed to do and tend to those fields. Next, integrity. Bring other men in. You cannot be a man in isolation. Tell someone about your struggles, your secret sins. Talk to other men about it. Confess to each other. Talk to God. Tell him the deepest and darkest parts of your heart. And gentlemen, I hear it all the time. Can I just challenge you? If you are in isolation and you are alone, stop blaming other men. It's you. Surround yourself with other men. Open the parts of your heart that you've kept hidden. Integrity number three, courage. Gentlemen, there are conversations that some of you need to have that you are afraid to have, and they require risk and vulnerability, and you've needed to say them for a long time. Maybe it's a confession, but you've been too afraid to say it. What are the things that you're ignoring in your life, the things that you're too afraid to deal with? What are the things that you've needed to confess, the conversations that you've needed to have? What can you do this week with courage, gentlemen, with Jesus as your strength? What can you do that you've been afraid to do, knowing that he's got the foundation, he's got your back? What do you need to do and shine light on? And lastly, sacrifice, gentlemen. We've got to quit fighting for our own benefit. That is not manliness. We need to begin to fight, to work, to live for the benefit of others. And if you want a place to start, let me give you a place. Start with your families. Ask what sacrifices they need. Do you know how often, and I've done this in my own life, how often we come home and we want the recognition for the sacrifices that we've been making. You want to know the truth? Those were for you. They weren't for your family. You're off making your own sacrifices and you feel good about it because you're trying to make yourself feel good. What does your family need from you? What do your kids, your grandkids need from you? What do other people need from you? Stop making sacrifices that you picked. Give people time. Quit things that don't matter. Let the project that you're working on in the garage sit for a while. And if you're in this room and you're not married because you're young or for whatever reason, how about we start with this? What does God want from you? If you don't create these disciplines of sacrifice and love now with your creator, you think they're just going to pop up later? There's four areas that you can start this week. And remember, you can't do it on your own. Call today is relent. In fact, we're going to sing a song right now, and it's called Relent. And I want to challenge you, men. This is me putting my finger in your chest. Some of you need to stand and sing this song. Some of you, with courage, knowing that you're going to be vulnerable by coming up because it means you needed to make a change. You need to come forward during the song and you say, God, I give up. It's between you and the Lord, men. You've got your challenge. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.